excited about when that happens. But I can tell you this, that not every Mother's Day is uh, exciting for everyone, and it's okay. I know that my mom and I, you've heard some of my story, my mom and I had our, our share of, of, of hard times growing up, and I can tell you today, it's a special day for me, uh, my mom and I have a really great restored relationship, and so to my mom who's watching, happy Mother's Day. It's awesome. She's in Arizona. I love it. To some, Mother's Day can be difficult, remembering the loss of a mama or maybe the loss of your baby. To some, a mom's day can be difficult for other reasons that you have. Perhaps it's the hope that one day you'll carry in your arms that baby you've been carrying in your heart, and the lack of that right now just makes it difficult. I just want to acknowledge the fact that you're here, and I want you to know that you're okay and you're safe, and we love you, and happy Mother's Day to you. Amen? Come on. Hmm. Can we pray? Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the mamas in our lives. Thank you for the mamas that are here, God, who experience the pain and the, Lord, the loss. Thank you so much for who you are, Father God, and that inside the fatherness of God, there's somehow this mother heart that exists in Jesus, we thank you that we can curl up on your lap and we can find the healing and the hope that only come from you. I don't know how you pull that off, Jesus, but you do, because we were all created in your image and somehow that's in there. Jesus, will you just help us to experience your healing and your joy today? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read a, uh, a Mama Myths letter today from the elusive somebody, right? Somebody always writes something. Let me tell you what somebody said about Mother's Day. Somebody once said that it only takes six weeks to get back to normal after childbirth. Somebody doesn't know that after a baby, nothing is normal. Amen. <laughs> That's funny. There you go. I'll let my daughter who's pregnant hear that. Here we go. Somebody once said that being a mother is boring. Somebody never rode in a car with a teenager and a driver's permit. Somebody once said that you, need an edu- that you don't need an education to be a mother. Somebody never helped a fourth grader with his math. Somebody once said that you can't love the fifth child as much as the first. Somebody doesn't have five children. Somebody once said that a mother can find all the answers to child rearing in a book. Somebody never had a child stuff a bean up his nose. Somebody once said the hardest part of mothering is labor and delivery. Somebody never watched a baby get on a school bus for the first day of kindergarten. Somebody said once that a mom knows you love her and doesn't need you to tell her. Somebody clearly is not a mother. This morning I want to start a six-week series on family. And I like to kick it off on Mother's Day. We're going to conclude on Father's Day. So within this, this six-week window, I want to talk to you a little bit about family. And I think it's so, so amazing how God sets this scenario up with us at the beginning of Mother's Day. I just think it's the place where happens life, and we get an opportunity to see family really at its, at, at its core, starting with moms. The series I'm, I'm entitling, Inside the Wire. 
inside the wire. And those of you who are military families at some level, you understand what the wire is, right? The wire is that place in a battlefield called base camp. It's, it's, where, it's where the troops return from battle and come back to. It's a, it's a, it's a supposed safe place. Inside the wire or the, the barbed razor wire, it's supposed to be a safe place for you to return and to uh, get, get food and rest and uh, reload and a new mission and, and, and have communion and or communication rather in some fellowship with other soldiers. It's supposed to be that safe place. Oftentimes, that's not always the case. Inside the wire, though it's supposed to be a safe place, isn't always the safest place. I call the series Inside the Wire because I want us to really begin to understand that just like a battlefield, the family is under attack. And the family is this place that constantly is being barraged to being redefined, to being told it's not enough, to being told that you're, you're not enough or whatever it is that happens. And, and I want to use the phrase inside the wire loosely, but I also want you to understand the correlation between the two. Oftentimes this, this battlefield that we find ourselves on in, in the world that we live in can be a really scary place. And being inside the wire, though it's supposed to be a safe place, and the enemy is supposed to be outside the wire, oftentimes the enemy sneaks in and can mess with the family inside the wire. I want to share with you this, this over this next six weeks what it's like to be a family fighting the battle together and not fighting the battle against each other. And how to journey this course. Over this next six weeks, we're going to spend a little time talking about what it means to be in family, what it means to connect with one another. I'm going to tell you the titles of each of these messages over the next six weeks. And if you're not part of us or you, you are part of us and you want to connect with us even more, then, then pay attention because this is for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the value of mom inside the wire. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the purpose of family in the world. In other words, inside this battle. Week three, we're going to talk about the roles and responsibilities of family inside the wire. Week four, we're going to talk on June 6th. My friend Colonel Wexler is going to be here, and he's going to be sharing with you about marriage inside the wire. Week five, we're going to talk about blended family inside the wire and closing, finishing up our series on Father's Day, talking about the power of dad inside the wire. Today, I want to talk to you about the value of mom inside the wire. My mom and I, like I said before, we, we didn't always get along. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you and tell you that she would agree. <laughs> I, I didn't really understand the value of mom. I mean, when I was, I was uh, the middle kid of five, and I just know that in our journey in my house, I, here's the funny thing about my mom and I. We are identical, right? In other words, here's the funny thing, though. My mom is like five foot nothing. I'm six foot three, right? So everyone in my family, if you've got to meet my family, are all under, uh, they're all under six feet. They're five foot, my, my father's 5'10", my dad's, my, my brother's 5'10". I'm, I was 6'4 at one point, shrunk a little bit. But, but, but it's like, you know, it's crazy, right? How does that happen? In my family pictures, I look just like them, but I look like Shrek. <laughs> I like big Lance in front, and everybody else is like small. My, my, my little sister's 5'1". My mom's like 5'2", or something like that. I mean, it's like they're all little. I just, I seriously, I feel like I woke up in Lilliput. I'm like... How did I get so big? It's crazy. Well, I didn't. I can tell you this. One of the things I struggled with was understanding the value of my mom. How does that happen? I think it happened because her and I were so much alike and we fought about everything. We just wrestled and fought and tried to come up with it. And I always knew I was right. 
you amen, say that, you agree, right? <laughs> Clearly wasn't. I want to talk about the value of mom inside the wire. Listen to this. Bob Green in the Detroit Free Press cited a study by an attorney, Michael Minton, on the monetary value of mother's service inside the home. He first listed some of the various functions that a mom performs while on the job. Chauffeur, gardener, family counselor, maintenance worker, housekeeper, cook, errand runner, bookkeeper, budget manager, interior decorator, caterer, dietitian, secretary, public relations person, hostess, and at-home private school tutor. (laughs) Using this impressive household list of duties... Minton figured that the dollar value of a mother's work in today's labor market was, in 1981, $750 a week, or $40,000 a year. In 2017, you want to know? 2007, look at all these moms. Yeah, bring it, right? Here we go. 2017, a mom's value in monetary labor terms, $2,100 a week. Or $111,000 a year. There you go. How many of your mamas need a raise? Right? I just saw all these elbows just go wham! Hitting the brothers. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, open it up to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. I'm thankful for you guys today. Let me tell you this. Matthew chapter 15. I love this story. I, I, this is a story of Jesus taking his disciples. Jesus had just finished... Uh, he had just heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, had, was murdered. And, and he took his disciples away to see Galilee. They crossed it. All that stuff had happened. Jesus comes back to Galilee. And in the middle of all that, all these people kept coming. Remember, he just fed the 5,000 people. Jesus comes back to Galilee. There's a swarm of people around him. And the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 15, also in Mark chapter 7, the Bible says Jesus decided to, to take off for a minute to a place called Tyre and Sidon. T-Y-R-E, Tyre and Sidon, two little cities. He takes off to this place. This is what it says. It says in Matthew 15, 21. You gotta understand, Jesus was at the Sea of Galilee about 20, 30 miles northwest. He goes to this little town. It says, Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman lived there, came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. For my daughter has a demon in her and is severely tormenting her. But Jesus gave her no reply. Not even a word. Then his disciples urged him, send her away. Tell her to leave, they said. She's bothering us with all of her begging. Then he said to the woman, I was only sent to help the people of Israel, God's lost sheep, not you Gentiles. But she came and worshiped him and pleaded again, Lord, help me. It isn't right for me to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs, he said. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs are permitted to eat the crumbs that fall beneath the master's table. Woman, Jesus said, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And your daughter was instantly healed. I love this. This story is Jesus going, gosh, 30 miles to the north. So, so here's, understand this. So, so, so Galilee was, was well, let's say Galilee was right here, right? Now you have to understand something about the, the map in the Middle East. Galilee was right here. 
And, and, and Jerusalem was down here, right? So most people spent the majority of their time going from Galilee to Jerusalem to Galilee to Jerusalem. Most of the time, they just spent time doing that, right? This 10-day this trek back and forth. And, and, then, and then up north, about 30 miles, was this place called Tyre and Sidon. Actually, it was probably over here. Tyre and Sidon, right? They're over here. And in that journey, Tyre, it's about, the, it's, it's at the same parallel as like the Mount Hermon, way up here, way up north in the northwest, way up here. So Galilee, Jerusalem, I'm sorry, was down here, and then Tyre and Sidon, way up here. Jesus, the Bible says, went to Tyre and Sidon. Now you have to understand something about this place. This was a non-Jewish place. Sometimes we read our Bible, we get our American glasses and we put it over the top of it and we, and we fail to see the importance of geography. We fail to, to, to fail to see the importance of all that was going on. Jesus spent the majority of his time, what he just said, for the lost sheep of Israel. Up in Tyre and Sidon, you have to understand this place. It, how many remember the Tacoma Aroma? Remember that? It was a, Tyre was... The Tacoma aroma. Ty, ty, those of you that don't know, it's in, in Tacoma about 20 years ago, stinketh. Sulfur, it was horrible. Anyway, I'll have to say, but, but up here in Tyre and Sidon, that what they would do is it was the, it was the capital of uh, the, the dyeing things purple. And purple was a very valuable color. And so they, the color, what they got the dye from is shellfish. And so they, they're right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. They would get the oysters and clams or whatever it was that they got the, the purple from, and they would make it up there. And so it, consequently, it just stunk really bad. Nobody would go to Tyre for fun. They, they, they went there and made money. And they probably just commuted there, but it stunk there in Tyre, right? And, I, and I'm telling you, Jesus, the Bible says, left Galilee, where, where it was beautiful, plush, just a great place. The Bible said that Jesus went up to Tyre and Sidon. But by the way, there's no other times that Jesus went up to Tyre and Sidon. We don't even know why he went up there. We can speculate. There are lots of people who speculate as to how he went up there. Some people think he went up there to hide from the religious leaders. Some people think that Jesus went up there to hide from all the thousands of people that kept wanting food. I'm going to level with you. I think he went up to Tyre and Sidon for one purpose. To find a mama with a problem. I think he went up to Tyre and Sidon to talk to a mama who had a problem. Let me tell you, there's nothing worse than a mama with a problem. There's nothing worse than a mama with a problem. I mean, you get a mama with a problem, man. You know why? Because mamas with problems find answers. They'll do anything they can. There's nothing that'll stop a mama with a problem. You may not agree with me, right? You, wanna, you ever want to see a mama with a problem who's not going to be stopped? Go to a Little League baseball game. <laughs> Watch your ump call strike three when a mama says it's ball four. You're going to see a mama with a problem now. Come on, let me tell you this. Some of you are like, I am that mama, right? I watched some mamas get kicked out of baseball games by a 14-year-old ump. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he's just a kid, man, back off. It was a ball. And I'm like, I don't know, man. It's not heaven and hell. It's just a baseball game. Let me tell you, this was a mama with a problem. This was a mama who had a problem, and she had to try to figure this thing out. The thing I love about this mama was I think she did everything she could do to try to solve this problem. This mama had a problem. Her daughter had a, had a demon possessing her, which seems pretty crazy. This is a mama with a problem. That's all it comes down to is there's this, this mama who has this problem. You know what I think? She, I think she probably did everything she knew how to do to solve this problem. Jesus didn't hang out up in Tyre and Sidon. She probably heard of him because of the, the, the miraculous things that were happening. People told people things. 
We know in the book of Romans, I think it was, that Sidon and people from Tyre and Sidon had actually seen Jesus do miracles. So we know that there, she may have even seen him before. We don't know. All we do know is that she knew of Jesus. But Jesus didn't frequent the region, so she probably did everything she could. Up in Tyre and Sidon, there was the, it was the, kind of the apex of the worship of the god Apollo, right? There was this, this craziness that was going on up there in Tyre. And my guess is she probably did everything she could and sacrificed all she knew. And she wanted to get her daughter free. Let me tell you, when you bump into a mama with a problem, there ain't nothing that's going to stop her from trying to come up with answers. That's who we see here. Hmm. Amazing to me, isn't it? It's almost like we see this mama with a problem. Jesus shows up to this place that doesn't normally show up. And how many of you read this passage of Scripture with me and said, man, Jesus is being mean. Like we bump into mean Jesus. I mean, it's not like Christmas Jesus or like Easter Jesus. We bump into mean Jesus. I mean, Jesus shows up there and he says like, hey, listen, I didn't come for you, you dog. I mean, he, first of all, it says that he doesn't even, he doesn't, he doesn't see anything. In other words, she looks at him and pleads out to him for some help. And the Bible says he just sat there, silent. Then he says, I didn't come for you anyway. I came for them. Then he looked, turns around and calls her, you dogs under the table. I mean, he just goes on and says that stuff, right? And there's times if you read the Bible really fast, you think to yourself like, wow, that's a mean comment. I mean, it's like we bumped into mean Jesus. Have you ever feel like you bumped into mean Jesus when you're praying? Like then you're raising your hands. Remember you prayed and you felt like Jesus was silent. And in your heart of hearts, you thought he was mean. How many of you have ever had that moment in your life when you're just like, come on, Jesus, do something. And you feel like he's just, he's just, he's just not listening to you. And I don't care how you verbalize it, but at some point inside your heart of hearts, you feel like, come on, you're mean. You're happy and helping everyone else, but you're just not helping me. See, maybe that's you today. Maybe, maybe you feel like you bumped into mean Jesus and Jesus isn't talking to you. Jesus is just sitting there looking at you while you're begging and pleading for help. See, maybe there's more to the story. Let's take a look. Hmm. You read this passage at first and you wonder, like, gosh, why, why, why didn't Jesus want to heal this little girl? Why didn't you want to help this mama at first? See, I, I contend this morning that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. See, I, I got this idea that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing, that Jesus went to Tyre and Sidon on purpose at that time, in that moment, for that purpose. This nameless, faceless, uh, Phoenician, Canaanite woman who was a mama with a problem, Jesus went out of his way, a place that he'd never gone, and met this mama with a need. And today, maybe that's you, and you find yourself absolutely in need, thinking Jesus is not listening to you. Let me tell you, this message is for you. Hmm. Let me tell you how mamas with problems solve them. Five things mamas with problems do to solve them correctly. Here's the first thing they do. Mamas with the problems, first and foremost, solve them first by running to Jesus Solve them first by running to Jesus. I love this. It says this Gentile woman lived there, came, in verse 22, came to him pleading. 
came to him pleading. I love this because she was a woman. She didn't allow her femininity. She didn't allow her culture. She didn't allow her religion. She didn't allow anything to get in the way of her with Jesus. This woman said, listen, there is nothing going to stop me from getting to Jesus. Nothing. Let me tell you, if you're a mama with a problem today, you have to remember that this woman had no good reason, that there's no good cultural understanding for a female to approach a rabbi or for a female to come boldly to anybody. How do we know that? Take a look at how the disciples responded. Tell her to be quiet, Jesus. Tell her to get away. It's the same guys that started the church. You gotta wonder what Jesus was thinking. We see this mama with a problem, and the first thing she does is she runs to Jesus. I love it. It says she runs to Jesus pleading. Pleading. I love that word pleading. The, the word pleading comes from this Greek word pronounced karadzo. Karadzo. Say that with me, karadzo. Karadzo. Let me tell you what karadzo means. It says she came to Jesus karadzo. Here's what karadzo means. It means to cry out loudly with using inarticulate shouts that express deep emotion. This woman used inarticulate shouts expressing deep emotion. I don't know for sure, but I got a funny feeling that karadzo was the beginning of the word crazy. <laughs> this woman had a problem and she went karadzo. She just unleashed the karadzo on Jesus. Let me tell you this. She just said, listen, here. I mean, there's a woman who just, she was, she went karadzo. Let me tell you this. There was no holding back for this woman who just went a little crazy saying, listen, my daughter's got a problem. I love the fact that this woman wasn't going to be held back culturally. She wasn't going to be held back religiously. She wasn't going to be held back regionally. She just said, listen, I have got to find some answers. She went karadzo. She cried out. You know, it's interesting. James actually came up here this morning and said with worship about the rocks crying out. Can I tell you this? Same word. If we don't worship the rocks, kradzo. The rocks are crying out. They're screaming unintelligible words. They're crying out. Crazy worship, right? They're not just like, yeah. They're crying out. Hmm. Moms with the problems come to Jesus Kradzo, man. They come to Jesus crazy. They come to Jesus saying, listen, my child. And they go crazy. Let me tell you, moms with problems, you know what they do? Here's what happens most of the time with moms with problems. Everything but that. They watch Dr. Phil. Moms with problems go to the internet. Moms with problems go to their friends. Moms with problems go to Facebook. Moms with problems hard. Let me tell you this. If you want to you solve your problem, run to Jesus. And cry out. Let me tell you this, Jesus understands unintelligible words. He understands the ones that come from the depths of who you are. In fact, I love this picture because Jesus is saying, listen, she came to me just absolutely beside herself because she needed to touch. She needed to touch something that was deep within her and deep within him. Hmm. She came to Jesus. Number two, what does a mom with a problem do to solve her problems? Number two. She solved them by worshiping the Lord. Huh. By worshiping the Lord. Listen to what it says. I ran past this about a million times until I finally slowed down long enough to read it slower. Look at Matthew 15, 25. This is talking about the woman. It says, but she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. She came and worshiped him. Okay, first of all, this is the same Jesus who was silent. <laughs> 
This is the same Jesus who, who, who just said, you know, hey, listen, I ain't come for you anyway, Missy. The Bible says she came and she worshiped him. I just find this so interesting to me. She, she worshiped him. What, what is worship? Worship is what you give your time, your energy, and your affections over to. Worship is not just singing songs. Worship is, is what you give your focus or your attention to, your time, your energy, your affections. Uh, th- that's why it's so important for us to worship the Lord, right? You know, honestly, I think this mama, maybe this mama, maybe this mama had a worship problem. See, maybe this mama's allowed her daughter to become her object of affection. I don't know, maybe, maybe this mama who went a little crodzo had her focuses on her daughter more than she did on him. I just think it's amazing to me that the time she worshiped Jesus was, was the absolute worst time. She worshiped Jesus when he was silent. She worshiped Jesus when the church people were telling her to be quiet. And she worshiped Jesus when her daughter was demon-possessed. She had no hope it was going to get fixed. You know what she did? She worshiped Jesus when it didn't make any sense. Let me be so bold as to tell you this. Circumstances cannot dictate your level of worship. His lordship will dictate your worship. The problem is is that we don't allow his lordship to dictate our worship. We allow our feelings, our emotions, and our circumstances to determine the level of our worship. This woman's world was falling apart. The God that she came and ran to was literally not talking to her. And the people who were near him were telling her to be quiet. And she's going crazy. And her world's falling apart. The Bible says that she fell to her knees, and worshiped him. And maybe, that's, maybe that's a solution for somebody here today. Maybe, this, maybe you drop into your knees instead of, instead of trying to figure out the next method or trying to come up with the next new sermon series to watch or, the, or whatever it is, the book to read. Maybe, maybe the answer to the deepest cry of your heart is just to buckle your knees and worship and say, Jesus, I can't solve this problem. And maybe, maybe that's the answer to, to your Jesus feels silent to me moment. I've been crying out and he's not been answered. Maybe the answer for you is to stop, drop your knees and say, God, you're just good. I don't know why, but you're good. I don't feel it, but you're good. I don't like it, but you're good. And you allow him. Here's the crazy thing. When you begin to allow Jesus into your heart, when you, here's the funny thing. When you take your eyes off of the object that's maintaining your affection right now and you look at him, he begins to somehow bring healing. I don't know how he does it, but it's almost like, it's, it's almost like uh, th- this poem. I, rem- I memorized one poem in my life. One. And I don't know why, but I still remember it. It's called Broken Dreams. I'm going to tell you it today. It says this. As children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. Instead of leaving him with love and peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last, I snatched them back and cried, how could you be so slow? He said, my son, what could I do? He never did let go. See, maybe the problem with us is we're hanging on so darn tight to our dreams, to our things, to our stuff, and we're not lifting our hands enough to say, God, I just lift you and I worship you because you're good. Hmm. Worship has nothing to do with your circumstances. True worship has everything to do with his lordship. See, I got a funny feeling that once she began to worship, things started to make sense. 
Listen to what it says, because, because number three, a mom with a problem solves them by number three, by quieting the noise around her. Quieting the noise around her. It's interesting. It says in 1523, Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then the disciples urged her, tell her to leave. Tell her to stop bothering us with her begging. It's interesting how many moms get stuck listening to the voices. I mean, the voice is all around. I'm not a good mom. I'm not, I, I'm not nearly as much of a woman if I'm this or that. I, I don't fit here. There's not room for me. All the things that go on into the heart of a, of a woman, let alone a mom. Let me tell you this. You find yourself in this identity crisis trying to compare yourself with the other person and who has this and who has that. That mama works hard because she's got a job and babies. That, 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 that woman only stays at home. That woman does this. Whatever it is, man, we have this massive comparison and the voices, you know what the voices do? They captivate your attention and they take you away. You know what the devil comes to do? Steal, kill, and destroy can I tell you the one thing the devil can steal from you that you can never get back? Time. You can get back everything else or recreate it. You can't get back time. If the, the devil can steal one second of you comparing yourself to that girl or comparing yourself to that person, if there, there's, the devil can steal 30 minutes, maybe a day, maybe a month, maybe 17 years of your life worrying about what didn't happen and should have happened and has robbed you, you'll never get that back. Because he's stealing and laughing. Because you're created in the image of God, worrying about what wasn't. Finding yourself living a life that's absolutely somewhere else. And he's saying, listen, quiet the noise. I love this woman. A woman, a woman who, who has a problem, you know what she does? She quiets the noise. How do you quiet the noise? You quiet the noise by listening to the truth. The truth that says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The truth that says there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. The truth that says you are created in the image of God. The truth that, that, that says I have a plan for you. The truth, that's how you quiet the noise because the noise is loud. Sometimes the noise is quiet. But the noise still takes you away. Hmm. Number four, what does a mom with a problem do to solve her problems? Number four, she solves them by listening to what's really being said. But what's really being said? I love it. It says in Matthew 15, 26, Jesus responded, It isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. He replied, That's true, Lord. But not even the dogs, are, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the table. Hmm. You know, it's amazing to me how fast we crumble at disappointment. Let me tell you, this mama, I'm sure this wasn't the first cry she had had. This wasn't the first God fixed this moment. I have a funny feeling this mama did everything she knew how to do to solve this problem, but she didn't know how to fix it. Some of us in the middle of your battle, some of you are facing the biggest battles of your life. Some of you are finding yourselves in the middle of a tyranny that you can't get out of. And, and right now you just want to throw your arms up and quit and say, I'm done. Let me tell you what moms with problems do. Moms with problems, they, they quiet the noise and then they begin, begin to say, listen, I can't continue to live like this. I need to listen to what the truth really is. I need to listen to what the truth really is. Some of moms just run away. Hmm. Listen to this. Finally, what does a mom with a problem do to solve her problems? She solves them by walking by faith, not by sight. I love this. It says in Matthew 15, 26, it isn't right to take food from the children, throw it to the dogs. He said, yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs are permitted to eat the crumbs beneath the table. Man, when I read that passage of scripture, it just sounds like super mean Jesus. 
Like he just looks at her and says, you know, and just looks at her basically and says, you're second class. It feels like he's just being mean. But you got to know what Jesus is really doing. I love this because there's so many messages being spoken in this one word. There's so many cultural innuendos. There's so many things. In fact, I quite frankly think that Jesus was, was looking her in the eye because he knew the kind of faith this woman had. How could he tell the kind of faith that she had just by looking at her? First of all, this is a woman who approached a man, and in that culture, absolutely crazy. This is a woman who yelled and screamed, Carrazzo, in the middle of everyone else. He knew this woman had faith. Let me tell you this. Not only did he want to prove that woman's faith to herself, but he wanted to prove that woman's faith to everyone else. Maybe that's why Jesus feels quiet to you. Maybe, maybe the reason that you're not getting your prayer answered the way that you think it should be answered right now is because God's doing something through you. See, I got a funny feeling that, that Jesus, see, you know what the Bible doesn't say? It doesn't say Jesus ignored her. It said that he just was quiet. It said he was listening. He gave her no reply. That doesn't mean he wasn't doing something. It doesn't mean he was, I just think that he looked at her faith and said, listen, I got something here. He knew what he was about to do. And I even think this little comment when he said, he said, listen, I came for the lost sheep of Israel. Can, can I just make a, just, a, just a brief observation? Galilee, Jerusalem, Tyre and Sidon. Up here, no Jewish people hung out because it stinketh. It's bad up there. No Jewish people. There was no kosher food. They're eating ham sandwiches and bacon up there. They, they didn't like that. Jewish people didn't hang out up there. What was Jesus doing up in Tyre and Sidon as a Jewish rabbi? I love it. Because if he's looking for people, he's in the wrong place. Because if he wants to find some Jewish people, he needs to go back there or down to Jerusalem. What's he doing in Tyre and Sidon? Jesus went there on purpose. Jesus went there to find this woman who was, who was lost. He went there to show his disciples what faith really looks like. And he went there to restore this mama and to heal this little girl. So Jesus looks at her and says, uh, you know, the, 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 I came to the children of Israel for the children of Israel, whatever it was. And then he goes on to say, um, not the dogs. Now you have to understand, in Greek, there are two words for dog. The first word for dog in the Greek is this uh, ravenous, scavenging, mangy dog. So when the Bible talks about dog in the Greek, oftentimes it's talking about the Gentile people, ravenous, mangy, wild dogs. And when they refer to the dogs in, in, in uh, Greek. There's another word that's used in Greek to define a dog. Now you have to understand something, that Jewish people didn't have dogs at home as pets because they thought they were like the Gentiles, dirty, mangy, scavenging mutts. Jewish people didn't hang out with dogs. Sorry about that. But you know who did? Gentile people. Gentile people means non-Jewish people. Here's the funny thing. The word Jesus used here wasn't the same word as the mangy, scavenging, dirty, filthy dogs. The word Jesus used here in the Greek, get this, was puppy. Puppy dog or pet. Jesus says, the food that falls beneath the table she says, or he says, even falls to the puppies under the table. I came to feed the children and the children. Let me tell you, I, we've had a puppy in my house a couple times. Let me tell you something, uh, just an observation about puppies. Puppies don't obey the rules. Pup, 
Puppies don't stay in their boxes. Puppies look for every reason to get out and chew up whatever, right? In fact, if you have anything of any valuable and you have a puppy, good luck. They're just going to chew it up. They just, they, just chew, they just go for it. Because puppy, you know what puppies do? Puppies see and they go. I think Jesus used the word puppy here with every innuendo possible. I think he even looked at the woman, in my opinion, this is my own Lance opinion, I think when he looked at her and he said this thing about the children of Israel, the lost sheep of Israel. By the way, he didn't say the lost sheep in Israel. He said the lost sheep of Israel. I, I got a funny feeling if it, if it was me and I could go back and paint you a picture, I think Jesus was winking. I think Jesus was winking at her. He said, you know, I, you know I'm here. I came to find the lost sheep of Israel. And she goes, hey, even the lost sheep get a little food from the table. And he, he starts talking about the dogs, right? He says the puppies. Why? Because I think Jesus would use the purposeful puppies on purpose. I think he was not just trying to be nice because she was a mama. I think he was saying to her, listen, come and get it. You want to find your, you want to, listen, Missy, you want your daughter to be healed? Come and take it. In other words, you stand up and come to me. Don't wait, for, don't wait for it to all just happen. You come to me in worship. You come to me in truth. You come to me like you are. You just keep coming to me. And don't sit back and become a victim. Become someone who's a victor and say, listen, I'm coming to you. I think Jesus was saying to her, listen, like a puppy dog doesn't stay in the lines. A puppy dog just goes everywhere and poops and pees and just goes crazy, right? Let me tell you this. He's saying to her, listen, be like that. Be tenacious. You want to find healing for your daughter? Jesus looked at her and said, guys, listen, that's faith. In fact, when it says, woman, your faith has healed you, it's interesting because the actual Greek's translation is, oh, dear woman. It's this, this, this sincere, loving comment. Jesus says, <laughs> I can hear him laughing. Yeah, you. Look, guys, finally someone with faith. Finally someone who believes me. This is a mama who had a problem and came to me. I think he was pointing at his disciples saying, guys, get it together. Church people, figure it out. Because this non-Jewish, nameless, faceless, Canaanite, Phoenician woman shows up as a mama with a problem. And Jesus said, this is just a mama who needed an answer. And maybe you're here this morning and you're in need of an answer. You're in need of far more than that. You're hurting inside. You feel like God has ignored you. You feel like you are all alone, that God somehow is mad at you. I think he's saying to you today, listen, stop listening to the lies and come and take what belongs to you, the peace that I have for you, the peace that I've left for you, and watch me bring healing to your life. Amen? Amen. By the way, fellas, that wasn't for you. It was just for the women. Can we pray? Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that we are not your cast-offs. Lord, but we are what you long for. God, I pray today that men and women alike would hear this message. And Lord, be changed. God, that we would come to the place where we would say, Jesus, it's really about you. And regardless of our circumstances, our environment, our culture, we're going to buckle our knees and come to you and say, you, Lord, are who I worship. Maybe you're here today and you've not done that. Maybe today just bears a moment of you stopping long enough to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for letting my children be the object of my affection. 
Forgive me for letting my children's problem become my biggest effort and attempt to fix. Today, God, I lay them on an altar and I worship you in spite of that. Maybe you're here today and you're heartbroken. And that heartbrokenness is the thing that you've been focusing on. Today, Jesus is saying, that's worship. Stop focusing on that and worship me. Just tell him right now, Jesus, I want to worship you with all that I am. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. I hope you have a great afternoon. Fellas, listen, before you leave, we want you to know that, that we want you to sign up for the men's conference, which is coming up here real quick. So do that, please. Don't forget, ladies, all of you, mamas, not mamas, doesn't matter. We have a flower for you. We have a gift for you. I just let it out. We have a gift for you. Please go grab that out there for every woman who's here today. God bless you. Why don't you stand up? Will you turn and give somebody a hug before you take off? God bless you today.